Oh, snap, snap, snap. The world is finally waking up to the crap that's baked into and sprayed on kibble dog food. No longer can commercial pet food manufacturers fool us with pretty pictures and false promises. This is the raw dog food truth. The view and opinions expressed on this podcast are not intended to replace medical advice. Before starting any raw diet, do research, ask lots of questions, and consult your vet. Well, hello, raw feeders. I'm Dee Dee Mercer Moffat, the CEO of Raw Dog Food and Company, where your pet's health is our business, and we're friends like my friend, Dr. Judy Jasek. Well, she doesn't let friends feed kibble, not even her new GSD Max. How are you on this hump day? Good. Doing good. A little puppy fatigue, but no. (laughs) Keeps you young, they say. Is that a lie? Makes you tired and old. What? It makes you. It makes you feel tired. But they really make you laugh. You know, it's like I always say. It's pretty hard to. You can't really stay mad at a puppy, no matter what. Like this morning, you know, I got a big water dish because I'm like, I got a water dish room to grow into, right? Um, This morning, he thought I can play in this, you know, and so he's got his pot. He's barking. I hear him barking, and he's like splashing his water dish, and then he picks up the rug that it's sitting on and tips the whole thing over. Oh gosh. Okay, Max, let's do a timeout here while I clean up your 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 mess. So, but you know, he was just having fun. This water kind of plays back, and it's interactive, and so yeah, he's he's doing good. But it's constant. It's constant. You know, puppies are constant train. It's been a long time since I trained a puppy. When I had little dogs, I really didn't train them very much. Like, <laughs> yeah, five pounds, just, you know, what can they do, right? Right. But it's going to be an 80-pound German Shepherd someday. And, you know, it, it's constant training and teaching them the rules and who's in charge and, you know, all that. But, you know, so I'll let him be a puppy because he's only 11 weeks old. So he's he's fun. But yeah, it's a lot of work, <laughs> but it's fun. And you know, it's, you know, it's going to pay off, you know, at the end you put these months in and then you, you end up with a great dog that you don't, you know, it's not forever. Right. God. Right. Our an- our ankles can, can take it. <laughs> right. So <laughs> maybe he needs of- a, maybe he needs a baby pool out there. Well, I thought about that, but it's, you can't find them. Like all the stores are sold out. Like they buy them in the spring and mm. it's, it's really hard to find them. Cause I thought about that. Cause we're really, really hot here this week. And I thought, oh, that'd be great. Just put a baby pool out in the back patio and he'd go out there and splash around. And I think he'd have a blast, but we can't, they're all like, you know, Walmart and all that. They're all out of, out of them. They just order so many in the spring and now it's hard to get them. So. Yeah, my brother, you know, they have a new lab. And so he's training that puppy to be, you know, his his hunting dog, duck dog. Mm-hmm. And here at, you know, he's about the same age as Max. He can sit, he can stay, and he's already got him retrieving. But mm-hmm. they also have, you know, because these dogs are in the water a lot. They also have a uh, little baby, you know, pool out there. Mm-hmm. And he gets in the baby pool. But um, yeah, it's it's amazing that these dogs these retrievers they instinctually know how to do that thing they they go mm-hmm. after the ducks now i will say <clears throat> my brother was telling me a funny story about my cousin's dog that he couldn't get this dog to retrieve anything and by the time he finally gave it to another guy that guy said this dog retrieves everything so my brother said it was something that my cousin did now you got to understand that these guys have been hunting have hunting dogs for 40 years right Mm-hmm. But there was something that my cousin must have done 
that caused this dog to think differently about retrieving because he wouldn't retrieve the ducks for my cousin, but, but he, he would for somebody else. For somebody else. So interesting. Yeah, somehow they discourage it. You know, I've been watching um Doggy Dan videos. I don't know if you've ever heard of Doggy Dan. He's oh, he was on my podcast. He's very cute, isn't he? Yeah. And he's in and, and I love and I love his videos um because I love his his psychology. Because yeah. I think that's what's really important. It's like you're just saying about this dog. Dogs, and like one of the things I'm learning is like talking less to the puppy because that just gets them excited. And ultimately, you want to train your dog to just be calm. And the more like, you want to interact, but you like, I kind of have a habit to like talk to him all the time. And he's like, you kind of want to not do that and use more body language because that like, when I feel like when I get the dish of raw out of the refrigerator and I take the lid off, Max loses his mind. He's in the kitchen barking, carrying on. And so I, I don't want to encourage barking. So I just leave the kitchen and I go stand someplace else until he's quiet. And then I go back in the end. You know, it takes a while to make him his food. They do this three times a day. But, and then I make him sit. And one of the things Doggy Dan said is, he says, you to get your dog to, you know, understand that you're the alpha is the alpha always eats first. So I literally stand there and I, I pretend to eat his food and like you're eating his raw food. Yep. And, um, I I gotta have a video. We need a video (laughs) of that. We really do. Doggy Dan said, you know, you take a cracker or something like human food and eat it. But you know, I mean, I just pretend, but you know what, when I do that, he just sits there and watches me. He doesn't move. He doesn't bark. He just like, okay, I guess I just have to wait my turn because that's their instinct. So you're just doing their instinct. Like the alpha eats first and then, you know, he sits and waits and, um, you know, for his food, it doesn't get his food. If he's barking or jumping, you know, he has to sit and be quiet and, you know, not for long because he's only 11 weeks, but he has to sit and, and be quiet. And, um, and we're, we're, we work on the leash two, three times a day, but, you know, I've only had him a week. He's never even had a collar on when I got him, you know, so I have to give him some time to just get, and he's itchy. He was like passing worms and stuff. You know, he came, you know, from the farm and puppies are pretty susceptible to, to parasites, I think. So, so I did deworm him. And so I think his skin and everything will get healthier. Not the longer he's on a better diet. And I'm, I'm just not very patient. <laughs> right. Right. Did you get better quicker? You're not a good patient. You're not patient because you're not a good patient. You know, I I wonder if I'm doing this backwards because Asta is not the alpha dog, as you know. She's a follower. She always has been. So the largest, Mm -hmm. you know, our oldest German. She's a follower. But when they eat, Lazi has to wait until Asta is fed because Asta is a very slow eater and Lazi mm-hmm. takes three uh, gulps and she's done, right? The whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, I'm coming over to get your food. Mm-hmm. Now we've trained her to wait. Uh, and she knows that she, she will, she, we've trained her that she can't go towards Asta's bowl until Asta backs up. Mm-hmm. That means Asta's done, but this is in reverse of what doggy Dan say, because Lazi's alpha. So Lazi should be eating first, right? According to- Well, that's, yeah. I mean, to establish who is alpha, but once it's established between the two of them, it it may not matter. 
you know, and she knows that you guys are ultimately in control. I mean, that's main, right. the main idea is that the people who's making the rules. So as long as it's not confusing them and, you know, causing fights over who's, who's the alpha, it's probably not a problem. You know, there's never been a fight in my house with Lossie ever. Well, not between my two dogs. Now there will be dogs that try to start a fight with her and she's really funny. She has this attitude sort of like, I know I can kick your ass. Um, and, uh, but I choose not to today, but if you push me enough, I'm going to hold my ground. Right. Mm -hmm. But she's not one of those that will start a fight. Now her sister, Ooh, she's, and she's smaller than laws. Her sister, who, uh, one of our friends has, uh-huh. And she's a level, she's going for her level three in Schutzen. That she's a badass, her sister. But ooh, she she's a fighter. I she'll, mean, she's, she'll start fights. She's, she'll start a fight. She's got a really, really dominant personality. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see when we get this puppy. Now, here's the fear with this whole you, you know, Dr. JC, we got this crazy, everybody's gonna mask up again, the TSA and all that. They're saying the federal agents. The federal agencies, they're going to come down with this mask mandate again in mid-September. So I said to Rick, I said, what are we going to do? We're, we're supposed to go over and get this puppy in Germany, right? Probably in five months. He's like, well, mm-hmm. we'll just have to have him send the puppy because we're not going through that BS again. Mm-hmm. And I hope that nobody will. I mean, if we haven't learned anything, what have we learned? Number one, Fauci was full of crap. I know. I know. So why are they saying it's going to be another pandemic? I mean, I've heard that they're going to come out with another It's one, but... an election year coming up. This is all about the election. Uh... And, you know, I'm not going to get into politics too much, but come on. There is no health benefit. There is yeah. no boogeyman out there. I mean, people still believe it. I mean, people still believe all types of stuff that we're going to talk about today. One is... People believe, Dr. Jasek, that rabies just sort of lives on animals. And I want I want to talk about Max again. We were talking about Max. You were telling me that Max was out in the on the property and he was chewing on something and being very sort of sneaky quiet. What was Max chewing on? Max was chewing on a dead bat. <gasps> like a half-eaten bat. And the way I know it, it, it was a bat was because of its, its wings. And we do have bats, which I'm actually very grateful for, because I know they help people complain about the mosquitoes like crazy here. And we don't have them that bad. I mean, you sit outside in the evening, you might swat it a couple, but I think the the bats help keep them down. So that's great. But went and pulled this bat out of his mouth. And I said to my husband, Chris, I said, oh my God, you know, anybody else would be calling the vet clinic tomorrow morning and worried that their dog's going to get rabies and running their dog in for the rabies shot. Cause this is what happens. People get afraid and they don't understand how rabies is transmitted. If rabies even exists, which I question that the virus rabies even exists. Um, even, even based on that premise the way it is supposedly spread is in the bite and through the saliva. So a dog or cat could never get rabies from eating a dead animal, even if it did have rabies, because it's transmitted in the bite and it gets into the tissue because it gets on the nerves. If it goes into the digestive tract, um, my understanding is that it doesn't even survive that. So eating an animal, even if it supposedly had rabies, 
it's not going to get it. So you I, know I just, that there's going to be somebody out there, Dr. Jason's going to say, I had a patient. He ate a bat, became yeah. rabid. I'm like, we, we've yeah. got to make them really provide some sort of proof of this nonsensical stuff that they say to pet parents. But okay. So he's eaten this bat, half eaten bat. Would you say that he ate half the bat? By the time you figured it I out? I don't think so. Cause I was right there watching him. And like I said, he found something in the ground and, and, you know, wandered off and was chewing on it. He's just a little too interested. So I thought I'd better go check it out, you know, cause puppies eat everything. And um, so I don't think he ate that much, but no, I think it was already happy. And I don't know. I mean, we've got two outdoor cats. They might've gotten it. And uh, we find half eaten birds all the time. Like we just eat part of them and don't finish. So that might've might have been the case, but I just took it out of his mouth. I put it in his little poop bag and went in there. He's still alive today. I don't know. I'm not seeing anything. <laughs> really not worried about it, to be honest. Um, but most people would be concerned. They panic and justifiably so. I'm going to call. And so where do people get information? And And I hate to say this, but don't call your vet for information. Find out from some other place because... They're going to tell you, oh my gosh, you better get that dog right in here for a rabies shot. And so you're going to risk lifelong illness in your pet getting this vaccine because of some remote chance it could have gotten something from that bat. Like I, I just, I wouldn't do it. I mean, I think the chances are so slim. And again, we keep our pets healthy, good immune systems, healthy diet and all that stuff. They're not they're not going to get stuff. And the dogs do. They're scavengers. They eat stuff, you know? So, well, I'm, we'll, I'm we will get it. a report back in 10 days. By the next podcast, we're going to probably know whether Max went rabid or not. Yeah. If he's foaming at the mouth and all he's that just stuff. hungry watching you eat his food. That's all that's happening. That's right. <laughs> he's like, I finally got something I can eat first. He did not, I did not challenge him on the bat. I did not chew on the bat, you know, so oh, good. I, knew I was alpha. <laughs> like I don't have to do that. <laughs> but he let you take it away from him, which is another thing that yeah. I don't know if the, if this is in doggy Dan's training or not, but they were talking about, can you actually take a bone away from your dog? Right. Mm -hmm. So we can with Lozzie, right? Mm -hmm. She gets the command to drop it and back up. We can take that bone with either one of my dogs. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure there are other dogs and I've had some of our customers say, I can't get that bone away from my dog at all. And I'm like, well, that, that would be a doggy Dan that's, training issue. That's a problem. Yeah. He actually, um, I, he was chewing on a, one of his chew treats and I walked over and just kind of, you know, patted him on the head and he growled a little bit. And I oh. said, oh no, 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 that's not going to fly. So I promptly took it away from him. <laughs> let him sit quietly and then he has to take it gently and he could tell he didn't like it but he's like geez that's probably what he thought when I, he took the bat he's like she's gonna come take that away from me i know she is <laughs> which i did because he's little you know he's still just 12 pounds. he's probably 13 or 14 pounds now wait him a couple of days ago he's 12 pounds but that's it um, he looks huge yeah. when i saw him he looks yeah. he well, looks a lot he, he's a lot of fluff. I gave him a, a, a bath a couple of days ago because he's just been really itchy. And um, I thought maybe he had some weeds on him from the farm and stuff. But I think it's just because he had worms and, you know, he wasn't on a very good diet and all that stuff. But when he was all wet, 
he looked much smaller. <laughs> so a lot of it's just fluff. <laughs> it's puppy, puppy fluff. All right. So what you did was you waited until you actually saw worms in the poop before you did a dewormer. You didn't just well, do, or did you? I started doing an herbal dewormer. So that okay. might have started to kill the worms off. Um, there's a, there's a really good product by Asmira. They have a Giardia and Parasite Detox. It's just like Western herbs, just an herbal dewormer. Cause you know, he came from the farm and puppies are just susceptible. I've just seen a lot of in, intestinal parasites and in puppies just because their immune systems, you know, can't eliminate them at young ages. And, um, I just think it's just so important that puppies get good nutrition and those parasites are not helping them. So once, I actually saw the worms. I, I did give him some fenbendazole. I just, I want to get him cleaned out. He's got the itchy skin and everything. And so the herbal dewormers will work, but they'll just take a lot longer. And like, you know, he's a rapidly growing puppy. I don't want him deprived of nutrition for a couple of months while we're waiting for the herbal dewormers to work. Whereas with the fenbendazole, you know, a few days we're knocking the worms on his poops or any had diarrhea too. That's the other thing. Like they had diarrhea right. that, you know, they're not getting good nutrients. And so it's just so important that they get good nutrition. I feel like it's worth just knocking these, um, knocking the parasites out. So, so I did it did three days and I'll wait three weeks and do three more. And his poops are already like a ton, a ton better. They're still a little loose, but they're getting better. Good, 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 good. Um, so that people understand, because we, you know, a lot of times we talk about, don't put those toxins in your dogs. Right. So the, the, the defining, um, point would be, um, if we see the worms or if they've got this loose poop forever. Now I would say once you get them off the kibble, then we got to look at that too. But what's the defining point for dewormers for these puppies? Right. No. We say, okay, do it for the betterment, mm -hmm. but we don't want to I, keep doing it just in case. Right. No, we don't. And a lot of breeders, like I, I've, you know, worked with clients that they get puppies from the, and I'm glad he didn't have any dewormers. I actually am because then you can treat appropriately and we want it to be targeted. A lot of breeders will deworm. They'll sometimes treat with metronidazole for Giardia, Albon for coccidiosis, whether they have it or not, they just treat all their puppies. And I don't agree with that, but kind of the thing for me is if they're symptomatic. So they have diarrhea, he, you know, has really, you know, itchy skin, which tells me he might probably isn't getting good nutrition. And um, if they're symptomatic, especially having diarrhea, um, I'm going to knock the parasites out. And then I'm being very targeted. Um, and, and I know fenbendazole is safe. It's good broad, you know, Lots of people take it, you know, it's, it's a popular thing now for cancer treatments, actually other people are doing it and it's, it's been used a lot. So I do think it's, it's safe, but you know, we're being very targeted. And I think there's a big difference between that. Okay. I know he's got a problem. I've seen him passing worms. If he was totally asymptomatic, like maybe I even saw a worm, but everything great coat, perfectly normal poops. I probably just put it on the herbal. Cause that would tell me he probably has a low infestation, but I mean, he had, and they were like not even normal colored poops. You know, I think I told you they'd fed him a bunch of raw milk when I, that right before I brought him home, like right. an hour before. And so he had liquidy diarrhea. Well, I thought, wow, that's the milk. But then it kind of got better, got him right on the raw. And then, but it kept kind of bouncing back and forth. And it never got the like normal 
color. It was like this light green and kind of slimy. So combination of not having normal poops and his skin, I just feel like, you know, it's in his best interest to get rid of them. Because if you don't, then he's essentially malnourished to a certain degree because he's got the parasites and every, and he's, everything's just running right through him because he's got the diarrhea. So that point I would treat, but yeah, do it very targeted, um, you know, for intestinal roundworms, which is what he was pooping out. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing to me that people who feed kibble and their dogs have this, um, the, uh, liquid diarrhea that they, they think that's okay. I'm just like, how, how do you think that's okay? Doesn't that tell you even with your own body, right? Your own body. If you're constantly having runny poops, there's something going on there. Right. Yeah. And, you, and, and you need to get that fixed or you're just not getting good nutrition. So I'm, I'm befuddled half the time when we've got these kibble feeders who have dogs that, you know, poop like that all the time. Yeah. It's, it's like, not normal. And normal poops are super important. I mean, I always ask when I start to work with a client, I want to know what the poops are doing. And you know, if they say I'm working with a new cancer patient and they don't have good poops, we actually work on the poops first. I mean, you can kind of, you know, address the cancer too, but it does no good to especially give any oral supplements or herbs or anything like that doesn't do any good to be dumping that stuff in the gut if they're just pooping it out. And and they're never going to be healthy if you don't have good normal poop. So we have to work on the gut first. And sometimes that's all I'll do. Um, if like dogs, you know, you know, sometimes people say, well, my dog's had, you know, chronic diarrhea for a couple of years or something. Okay, we need to get the gut straightened out or we're never going to have success treating the cancer. And you can't just put a bunch of stuff in the gut. If the gut isn't working, you're not going to get, you know, any benefit from it. So it it is, it's super important. Those poops, you know, I've looked at many, many poop pictures in my career. And um, but it's <laughs> it is, it is valid. It is valid. We need good normal poops. Hey, I want to talk about really quick um our next cancer webinar. The first um uh, part one of Dr. Jason's cancer webinar. Fabulous. We had great attendance, great feedback. We're moving on to part two. That's going to come up guys on uh, the 31st, right? Dr. Jason, Thursday, yeah, the 31st, the wow, last the day of August. Yeah. Crazy. Holy that's going to be part two. So Dr. Jason, what are we going to talk about in part two? This is where we're really getting into the crux of cancer and how we um, protect our pets, uh, from this crazy, crazy epidemic. Right. So part one was about mindset, how we think about cancer and just how we approach, how we think about, uh, treating it. So part two is going to be treatment basics. So it's going to be a lot on nutrition because that's the most important thing. And I'll stand by that, you know, always that if you don't correct that and you don't give them good nutrition, don't waste your money and all the other stuff because you're not likely to have good results. So we'll talk about that. So this is going to be the building that healthy foundation. So nutrition, some whole food supplements, you know, like talk about mushrooms and algae and just some general things that, um, that we can add in to build this healthy foundation. And then in part three, we'll get into a little bit more specific. We can talk about things like mistletoe and ozone and things like that, which a lot of times that's what people come to me asking about first. 
And then, but then we have to go back and correct the basics. So you have to start with the mindset and the basics and then move into uh, the more advanced therapies because there's no, there's no magic bullet. You have to start with that healthy foundation. So we'll be getting more into some, you know, nuts and bolts and things people can do both to treat and prevent. I mean, cancer, you know, treatment is really a lot about, you know, prevention. I'd much rather be keeping pets from getting it than having to treat it. Right. So if you would like to join us on that uh, part two, part two webinar, um, we'll have that up on the website soon, but you can go to my website, info at rawdogfoodandco.com. Send me your email. As soon as that is up, I can email you. You can also go into the chat. That's very convenient to say, hey, I want to be a part of the webinar and uh, we will get you that information as soon as it comes up. And that's going to be on the 31st. And then we'll do part three, I think the following Thursday as well. So Dr. Jasek, I want to talk a little bit about mindset as we were talking about that in um in the in in the webinar, but I want to look at it from a different perspective. The mindset of the veterinarian, um, the some of the veterinarians out there. And this this is coming from a Brian who you guys are familiar with. And I've all I've got some videos that are coming up with Brian in the warehouse. So you'll actually be able to put a face with his name, but he's the one that does the Brian's beef. But he but he uh, was very upset yesterday, Dr. Jasek, and we talked a little bit about this, but he went to a clinic here in Colorado, and this vet that he saw would not sign off. That his dog, okay, Riley, who is a part of an organization called CATS, and CATS is Canine Airport Therapy Squad. So uh, these dogs that go out to the airport are so that people can, you know, their anxiety level, their frustration level will come down when they see a cute dog, a dog that's wagging its tail, they can come up and pet. And so this is Riley. Now, Riley is a raw fed dog. Okay, but here's what happened. This vet would not sign off that Riley had an annual wellness exam because he was raw fed. And this vet said she was not comfortable signing off that he was healthy because he could possibly, underline possibly, be in contact with sick or immune compromised people. And because he's raw fed, he's going to make people sick. And this vet uh, was concerned that he didn't didn't have a current rabies vaccination because uh, he is titered and his titer was good. But this vet said, you know, the state of Colorado does not recognize a titer as proof of immunity, even if the therapy dog organization did accept a titer. So the the organization of, you know, that that Brian is associated with that does good work in the world said yes we will take his titer um now Riley had a clean fecal test Dr Dr Jasek uh but the vet said well this test does not test for E coli or salmonella so she's not comfortable saying that he's parasite free And she also stated that she is seeing cases of dogs passing salmonella to people, even though 
There are no documented cases on Raw. I can give you documented cases um, from Dr. Connor Brady's book, From Mars, Pet Care, and a lot of the prescription diets and the kibble diets out there. But here, here's the whole crux of it, Dr. Jacek. Had Brian told this vet that this was a kibble-fed dog, she would have signed off on it. So is that a case of just a bias from a veterinarian and sticking their nose in a place that it doesn't belong? I I think so. I mean, she, because if she did, I mean, what Brian was there for was to get a physical exam and a fecal test. That's what the organization wants. They want a veterinarian, hands-on, do a physical exam and check a standard fecal sample. So she does this. She said Riley's healthy, but she's not comfortable signing the form. So to me, she's saying that the work she did was invalid or has no validity, that there was no validity to her physical exam. There's no validity to that fecal test. So, but that's what he hired her for. Veterinarians work for the pet parents. You're paying them. They should be servicing you. They should not be telling you what you can and cannot do, what you can and cannot feed, what you, how you treat your pet. They should be, you should be going in there requesting a service. They should be providing that service and then you pay them. It is not their job to be the vaccine police or the food police. In my opinion, that's way beyond the role of veterinarian. Now it's a private business. They can, they can do what they want, but to me, it's not professional or ethical to like on one side say, yeah, well, you can come in here and pay us for these services, but we're not going to, you know, but they're not really, they're not really valid. And I still have the right to deny you, um, signing, deny or deny you of me signing this form because I don't think you should be feeding raw. So it's really comes down to more of an opinion. He hired her for her professional services and she's denying him that signature based on her opinion that raw is bad. And there's not even any proof. Did she say anything? Do you know when he challenged her? Cause didn't he challenge her on the, well, there's no known studies. Um, yeah. Somehow, yeah. They, they, she... they do like they always do. And they're like, well, I'm, you know, basically they cannot provide any kind of proof. Right. Mm -hmm. They can't provide any kind of documentation. The majority of the time it's hearsay. Right. Yeah. Just like what they did with the grains and the myocarditis. Nobody had any proof. Right. It was all hearsay. And so <clears throat> I said to Brian, why didn't you just back her into a corner? Between, I mean, Brian is extremely well educated. Mm -hmm. And he said um, there are no documented cases of salmonella being passed to a, a pet parent. Now, what I would have said is really tell me more about that. How was that happening? Right. Mm -hmm. How was that? And what is the, the load of salmonella being shed in kibble fed dogs versus raw fed dogs? So I would probably not come at it from a statement. I would come at it from a question. And yeah. I think as you and I always talk about on the podcast, once you come at it from a question, 
they show their their cards, which means I'm blowing smoke out my sphincter. Okay. Right. Um, and again, you can tell that it's a bias because if he would have said, this is a kibble fed dog, there would be no questions of where's your dog doing therapy? Are there any immune compromised people? They're not the pet police folks. Mm-hmm. Right. 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 They're way step outstepping their bounds. And, you know, I mean, just that, that this whole premise that dogs eat raw food, and they're shedding salmonella that's going to make people sick the only way you could it'd almost be impossible to prove that because you would have to be culturing what made find out what made the person sick you don't even know what's causing it so say a person gets sick and they pet a dog that fed raw food that's correlation that's not causation that's two things that happened at the same time that doesn't mean that one caused the other so to definitively prove that, you would have to prove that that person was sick because of salmonella. And there's what, hundreds of strains of salmonella. It's, they're, they're not all bad. Most, most of it is safe and dogs' bodies can just handle it and eliminate it. Doesn't necessarily cause disease. So they'd have to prove that there was some pathogenic strain in that person and then prove that that same strain was in the food and then prove that that same strain was being pooped out by the dog. I can guarantee you that's never been done. It'd be impossible really to do that. And that's, right. but that's the only way that you could definitively prove that the there was salmonella in this raw, the dog ate it, which even if there was, just say there was some bacteria in some raw food, people let it sit out too long or whatever. Um, like a bat. They, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, the, the say it was there, it would most likely be killed in the stomach acid. I mean, my puppy was out there chewing on a half eaten bath that was sitting outside for who knows how long. Do you think that didn't have a bunch of bacteria in it? Am I worried about it? No, like it's because that's their bodies um, can handle that. So chances are that acid in the stomach would eliminate any potentially dangerous bacteria anyway. So that whole premise, when you break it down like that, it doesn't even make sense, but it's like, once it's narrative gets started, like you mentioned the the grain in the foods, once the narrative gets started and if enough people say it, it becomes truth. And then it's the popular narrative and everybody wants to fit in, except for people like, you know, you and me, we like to be the outlayers and and outlier, outliers and <laughs> book, book the system, you know, but right. people say, no, just, just, just go along to get along. Okay. That's what everybody's saying. So I'll just say this too, but it's, that's have been saying this for a long time, but what seems to be changing is the fact that they feel like it's their responsibility to be enforcing this negative. They are not the health police for your pet. Like I said, they work for you, you are paying them and they should be providing the services that you request and giving you informed consent. And it should be your choice. What, you know, what happens with your pet when it, when it's in the vet office, they, they can't enforce that. It is not their role to enforce vaccines. I mean, it's not, it's your choice. Well, and, and you guys have really got to learn how to question so that they have to provide an actual correlation just like what you said dr jasic if people understand here's how you would prove that 
then you have that ammunition or that education, whatever way you want to look at it, to actually ask your vet, and they should have to prove that if they're going to say that, mm-hmm. right? Then and, should- and you can and you can ask it just kind of like, you know, oh, hey, that's really interesting. Could you tell me how they determined that? What what how did how was that study uh, done? Could you tell me more about that? And Here, I, here's back in the corner, yeah. Here's here's how they usually say it. Well, because the people were fine and then they fed raw food and then they weren't fine. That's that's what they say. That's what our some of our pet parents say, Dr. Jasek. My dog was fine until it ate raw food. And so now we're making this correlation, right? And and I'm gonna start putting a disclaimer out there that says if your dog cannot eat real food, real raw food, then there's something wrong with the dog's system. Right. Okay. There is something wrong with the dog system and you need to take a look at that. If you don't, fine, but that is the issue. So, you know, Brian said, look, um, he, he, he is going to file a complaint, uh, which you, you have said, I think that more pet parents should do this. Nothing may come of it. However, they will get a letter from the board and, don't sign it anonymously. Let's have the courage to sign our names to these things. Okay. But, you know, Brian said, look, I went in there for nothing more than a fecal test and an annual wellness exam. The form that he had did, it didn't say that the vet was certifying that his pet was free of pathogens or bacteria. God help us if we don't have any bacteria in our body. And and you don't want a sterile pet. Right. I mean, my God. And then he said, you know, she, in his view, she refused to even examine his dog because of the raw diet. So he um, is going to file a complaint and I think he should. But again, this is why I tell everybody, do you really have to tell them that you're feeding a raw diet? If you know that there is such a bias and that they are not going to provide the services that you desire if you tell them you're feeding a raw diet. And I said it would be it would be quite funny, Brian, if you just go to another vet, tell them yeah. you're feeding this kibble. Is, right. They'll probably sign up right off on it. Yeah. And that yeah. proves right there that it is a total bias. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Just based on the based on the food. Yeah, it's 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 ridiculous. They're not even looking at the patient and is this dog healthy? And well, look at this nice man that wants to go out and do good in the world and help people, but no, he feeds raw. So he's got to be, got to be made bad. You know, you're, you're wrong and we're right. You know, this divisiveness is just, it's just, it's really disturbing. In Dr. Connor Brady's book, Feeding Dogs, he has a section on hazardous microbiologic contamination. Okay. And this all has to do with dry dog food. And if you want a real education in dry dog food and the dangers of prescription foods and all dry kibbles, this is one great chapter, right? So in in just one paragraph in this chapter, he says, since 2007, at least 132 people are known to have contracted salmonella from dry food. And half of those were children under two years of age. Okay. Because why kids 
go over and get in the dog's food bowl because the dog doesn't want to eat kibble and it's still sitting there. Right. Um, but he says, despite the colossal, the colossal recalls and the very real possibility of toddlers getting infected, there's not been a single group anywhere ever uh, that's warned these families of the potential risk sitting in their dog's bowl. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Follow the money again. Again, we have to let them uh, hang themselves. I hate to say that, but it's like you got to ask the question. Ask the questions. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I understand that, you know, people don't want to fight and it's easier to just go in and, and lie. But, it, you know, at some point we have to start challenging them too. I mean, or, this narrative is just is just going to continue and get worse. And it just seems like it's it's getting worse. I mean, it's just so disturbing that pets can't even get care. If he had taken Riley in, what if Riley were sick or hurt? And and he said he was feeding raw, you know, well, they might not even help him. They, well, oh, Dr. No. Jasek, didn't we just see that with the COVID? Oh, you haven't been vaccinated, so you don't get a liver transplant. Right? Oh, you haven't been vaccinated, so you don't get care. What in the hell is going on? I, I I really wonder what is the narrative? Who is talking to these veterinarians? Are they going to a conference and somebody's getting up saying, you've got to, you've got to be strong in helping the health of these pets. We've got to get that daggum raw food out of there. What is going on? Yeah, I, I don't know. It, they're being brainwashed for sure. Programmed. I don't know. People just seem to be, so much more easily programmed these days. People that are just mainstream and believe the mainstream narratives, they just seem to, they don't even think, they don't think for themselves. There's no critical thinking, no logical thinking. Like, does this really make sense that this dog's going to eat raw and it's going to poop out this bacteria? You know, the other thing you're telling about, about the kibble and the kids getting sick, they didn't get sick from touching the dog. They got sick from touching the food directly that was toxic sitting out there. So this whole premise that a dog could eat a food and then the dog itself is spreading these pathogens. It doesn't, it doesn't even make any sense. And yes, those kibble foods that have all these rancid oils and all this stuff in there, that's where the toxins are. Molds, all that. Well, you know what, Dr. Jasek, there's not a whole lot of, of plant workers that work around raw dog food that are getting sick. But if you look at the reports of the people with lung disease, with respiratory disease, with all of this kind of problems that work in the kibble plants because they're spraying all of this chemical crap on it. I mean, doesn't right. that tell you something? And those of us that have been feeding raw for over two decades don't you think we would have contracted something? And you and think. and and I guess the 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 biggest comment that I want to make is this: Why do people challenge me about healthy eating raw dog food when I have healthy dogs and they have sick dogs? Right. I'm like, what? Why are you challenging me when you and myself and 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 so many of our, our raw fed parents have, have the healthiest dogs ever. And yet the people who have diabetic dogs, seizure dogs, itchy dogs, allergy dogs, they are saying, oh, 
that raw dog food doesn't work. I'm like, really? Because you have a sick dog. Right. Right. And I see so many people, so many pets do a 180. I mean, people are amazed. They're like, wow. I mean, my dog has more energy and their coat's great. And, you know, even if they're like a cancer patient or something that, that you know, we're, we're dealing with something else, but people will say just, my dog just does so much better on the, on the raw. I hear that all the time. And so, yeah, if it was so bad, why are dogs so much healthier? I mean, my little Wiley made it to 17, you know, I mean, he did great. He was eating raw right up until the end, you know, that's, because that's what he'd always eaten. And, and he, you know, by the end, he wasn't eating as well, but he was in a, you know, his decline is old age decline, but, um, you know, he, he ate raw right up until the end. He lived to be 17. He didn't get cancer, you know, diabetes, you know, he had some heart issues at the end, but you know, he, he was 17 at that age. They're going to go from, something, but he had a good long life. He made this cross country move with us. And I mean, yeah, he, he had his, his declines, but man, he, he was a trooper, you know, I, he wouldn't have made it that long and done that well, if I hadn't been feeding him the raw, there'd be no way. I, I was, I was laughing because some, some friends of ours that are, that are raw feeders, right. They're dog sitting at lab. The pet parents have tons of money. I'm, I'm telling you, they, they have lots of money, okay? They feed kibble. But the telltale sign to this was they brought this bag over with Zyrtec, eardrops, mm. eye drops, anxiety medication. There were five mm. different medications that they dropped off with this dog. Well, if he starts shaking his head, then give him these eardrops. If he starts getting anxious, just give him this. And it's like every one of those could be resolved if you would get off the damn kibble. And I am so, I, I don't understand how you don't see that. It's like this dog does nothing, right? The 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 raw fed dog. There are no medications. There are no issues. There's none of that. And then you bring in a kibble-fed dog and you have all of this medication and you want to challenge the efficacy of a raw-fed dog. What is happening? Right. And that's just considered normal. Oh, they're itching. Yeah, they're itching. Oh, they got allergies. Let's give them some Apoquil or some Cytopoint. Um, you know, that it's just all, it's just all normalized. Like, well, that's just what happens to dogs. But going a level deeper, you know, um, vet clinics make a lot more money keeping pets sick than making them healthy and sending them on their way. You know, if all the, you know, puppies came in and they just got them on a raw diet, you know, they might need to not need to come back in for a year and they wouldn't be making all this money selling all these medications. So whether that's overtly intentional or not, I, I wouldn't put it past them, especially not the corporate executives that are making all this money and they're looking at all this money they make selling vaccines and allergy medications. And why would they want to quit making all that money? Why do they want to make the dogs healthy? They're making too much money selling the pharmaceuticals. I, I think that enters, that enters into it and whether it's not, you know, overtly, or oh, we're going to make this pet sick. I don't think they're necessarily thinking that, but veterinarians, especially in the corporates, um, a lot of veterinarians are paid based on 
uh, a percentage of the money they bring in. So they are incentivized to sell, do procedures, and uh, and bring more and bring more money in. It's a lot of vets are paid. They have a base salary, and then they get a percentage of what they sell. Well, are they going to make more money selling a bunch of drugs or more money changing the diet and sending a you know healthy dog out the door? You know. Well, if you don't think that our corporate executives are more focused on money than health, well, all you have to do is watch the documentary. Well, it's not even a documentary. It's a it's a it's a show based on real life called Dope Sick. Watch hmm. Dope Sick. Uh, Michael Keaton's in there, but this is all about the oxycotton mm. and and how they pushed it, uh, how they knew people were getting addicted. Mm. And how they were able to change the mindset, as we were talking about, to to make this a hugely profitable um, drug, one that's killing people, um, yeah. and still, and they're still killing people. Yeah, and there there's several different shows like that that will take you through it. Um, I've listened to podcasts uh, with some you know pharmaceutical salespeople. Um, and, and they really give you an inside look at what's going on. And so it's not a health model. And, and we say this all the time. Um, again, um, I get it. If, if you say, well, I have to do this and I have to do that. Your have tos still have consequences. You have right. to still have consequences. So, uh, if you're okay with those consequences and it's just, it, it was just a weird thing that this that this family said that that had this bag of of um of drugs they said well we're not going to do that raw that's just too much money to spend on dog food but yet you will spend that much money on drugs there is a real disconnect dr jacek and i don't know um i i, I don't know what that is i i what am i um Lady, I, I know in Colorado, you know, um, I, I would tell her every time I talked to her, she'd be like, I, I know I'm supposed to feed that raw. I just can't afford it. It's too expensive, too expensive. She had two dogs and she was frustrated because her dog had chronic ear infections and she would never come see me with her dogs, you know, because she knew you're just going to tell me I got to change the food. I'm like, right, because that's what you need to do. And your dog's ear infections are going to get better. So then she's complaining that she went in to another vet, didn't come see me, went to another vet, spent $800 to oh. get the ears looked at and cultured <laughs> and all this stuff. So complaining about that. And of course the ears are still not better, but $300 a month to feed her two dogs raw food was too much when it could have most likely eliminated or drastically reduced the, the medical problem. So yeah, you, you say that disconnect, like, I don't get it. You're paying all these medications. Plus your pet is suffering. Your pet is suffering. You think it feels good for them to have an ear infection and, and, and all this stuff. And they they get these drugs and then they're just going to get sicker and sicker and sicker. So it, it makes no sense. And I, I'll still contend that the majority of people it's not about money. It's about your priorities. Like these people, he said they have money. They just have an idea in their head how much they are willing to spend for dog food, period, the end. Whether it's $50 a month, they're going to Walmart buying Old Roy at that point, or $100 a month or whatever it is, there's a point 
They're like, I'm just not going to pay that much for the food. They don't look at it like, well, but I'm giving six supplements and then my dog's on eight medications. And what if all that got eliminated and you just put that money towards the food, they'd probably be money ahead. Plus their pet would be healthier, but I don't know why people can't see that logically. I, I, I really don't. It's, it, it's baffling to me. Why do you get a pet and then fill them full of toxic stuff? I don't understand that. That seems criminal to me. Um, it, it just doesn't seem um, it, it, kind. <laughs> don't understand it. It's like all a dog wants to do is love you, is, is, is be your friend, is be happy when you come home, is, you know, he wants you to play with them. And they give you such unconditional love. And then we say, here, they I poison I, you. Uh-huh. And I'm sorry if that sounds cruel, people, but that is what it is. You cannot look at it any other way. You right. cannot look at it any other way. That is the fact. And I was saying on another podcast that, you know, Susan Thixton on her site, she was saying, look, if you you want to argue with a vet, go from the nutritional standpoint, because that is scientifically proven that the nutritional components in dry dog food are horrendous. And your dog is going to be um, uh, malnutrition. There's nothing good about it. So educate yourself on kibble. Get yourself Dr. Brady's book. I, I mean, Feeding Dogs, Dry or Raw, The Science Behind the Debate. It's a good book. It's 500 pages, uh, but it's it's a great book. And then mm -hmm. attend our cancer webinars, okay? Part one will come back out. We'll have part two coming up on the 31st. You want to be a mem uh, uh, um, You want to be in that webinar. And it's just fun. You're there with uh, yeah. myself and Dr. Jasek, yes. and you've got slides. You've got the visuals. Which give, which I think is is better for the brain, right? Yeah. So you can see it and hear it. If you can't attend, I will send you the audio um, as well. But um, we will have that up shortly. But make sure that you get over uh, and send me your email or send Dr. Jasek your email at ahavet.com. Let her know that you want to be in on that webinar. Let me know. We'll get you that um, link out as soon as we get that up, which will probably be this week. Dr. Jasek, okay. we'll get that link back up uh, for part two, okay. which is very good. You know, I wanted to just make another comment about the vets and just something for people to think about. If what the vets say, so they say, what do they say? You got to vaccinate. You got to do heartworm. You got to do flea and tick. You got to do these prescription diets. And that's what the majority of the profession is, is based on and what they push. So if this was the best you could do for your pet, why are pets so much sicker? I mean, there's not a single veterinarian that will deny that cancer rates are exponentially going up. So if this, and like what, what I do, my little practice, I mean, I touch, and even you, Didi, a minute percentage of the pet population. You know, we really do. I wish we could reach more. We do the best we can, but it's still minute compared to all the conventional vets out there. So most pets are getting that conventional treatment. So if it's so great and wonderful, then why on earth are our pets getting so sick? I mean, just look at it logically. If that's so great and raw food is so dangerous, then why, like you were saying before, why are those pets, why are those pets the ones getting sick? If the system that they're saying is going to protect your pet and keep your pet healthy is so great. 
why are there, I mean, just look at it, you know, from that perspective should tell you, I mean, that's what I did as a practitioner, like what we're doing, this is early on in my career, all this stuff I've been taught, the pets are getting sicker. It seems like we're going the wrong direction here. So I, you know, I have to investigate things on my own, but sort of a wake up call. And then you see that, yeah, pets are a lot healthier when you, you feed them, you know, better and healthier. So that'd be another question for your vet. So if this stuff's so great, why are cancer rates on the rise? You know, challenge them. <laughs> They'd be like, uh... bad genetics. They just say it's genetic. They blame cancer on genetics. It's never the food, unless you're feeding raw. I mean, right. And then, and then it is. Right. And again, if what you're doing is working, why isn't it working? Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I would never argue with success if somebody came in and, you know, well, I can never recommend feeding kibble, but you know, I mean, it, sometimes people have their dog on certain supplements or certain something or other, and doesn't seem to be doing any harm. It seems to be working great. Um, go for it. But you know, that's not the case with the kibble fed over vaccinated dogs. Those are my cancer patients in most cases. Right. Right. And you know, you and I uh, follow Dr. Cowan, Dr. Thomas Cowan, and and mm-hmm. he has such a lot of uh, great stuff. And you know, one of the things that he he talks about, and you've talked about this in dogs as well, and Neely talks about it, is if, if if your dog has a symptom, and let's say diarrhea or whatever things, you know, coming out, um, and we keep putting antibiotics in it, then we keep killing off that bacteria that is there to do its job to take the trash out. Yeah. And I was thinking about this yesterday because I had a neighbor walk by and he was saying, uh, oh, I'm just now getting back out because um, I've had bronchitis for a long time. I've always I always get bronchitis and I had this really nasty uh, respiratory problem last week. And he said, so I always just have to make sure I get all my antibiotics ASAP. And and I thought about that when he said that I thought. Dr. Cowan always says, if you keep suppressing that thing that is trying to come out of the body, you keep taking those antibiotics, eventually you're going to end up with lung cancer. And I was just like, you know, sometimes you see things, you, there's no way that you can explain that to somebody because they haven't been on the path long enough, right? They haven't been, and Neely said this to me the other day on the podcast, she said, I can now see it because I, I've been looking at things for, you know, 30 years, you know, mm-hmm. and it takes those steps, right? What yeah. I what I couldn't see 30 years ago because I've gone through what I've gone through. I've done the studies. I've done the courses. I've had the experiences. So that that's that's the thing that we forget sometimes is that these folks haven't been on this journey and all of a sudden you're like, presenting an idea or a construct that is so foreign to them. Right. Yeah. Right. I think it's, I think it's true. I mean, cause you know, we ease into this stuff. I mean, whether it's world, it, world issues or politics or everything, you know, you kind of come to where you're at gradually over time. So now it seems like we're at a point in the world where people like you and I and Neely see things so differently than probably the majority of the population that you it's really hard to even say anything because like if you said to your neighbor you know you keep taking those antibiotics you're going to get lung cancer he'd be like you're cuckoo and i take my antibiotics and i feel better right so i'm just going to keep doing that 
he wouldn't have wouldn't couldn't have even like absorbed that that information. And it's really sad. I know, you know, my brother passed away from cancer earlier this year. And I know it was all the drug and he had all the jabs and everything. And I'm sure it was the chemo probably that ultimately killed him, but you couldn't tell him that. They thought their doctors were great. And like, these drugs are working. Look, my lung tumor is shrinking as he's lying in the hospital bed dying. You know, his kidneys are shutting down and he's incontinent and he can no longer walk. Yeah, it sounds like they're working great. But, you know, you can't say, even, even my other, one of my other brothers even said, yeah, it sounds like the, the drugs are what's really making them sick, but what else can you do? Like, oh, there's a lot. Stop doing them. <laughs> Stop doing them. Yeah. Do something different. Yeah. I right. Know. But people just, the narrative is so strong. And I think people have just become, um, it's just much easier for them to be brainwashed unless you're used to critically thinking and looking at things logically and asking questions is a skill. And I think our culture has kind of promoted this dumbing down, you know, um, people, you know, you guys, you're programmed by your phones, your, if you're watching television, the commercials, this may sound really out there, but there's a lot of subliminal programming and they're programming your brain and how you think and how you approach things. And so you have to back away from that. Yeah, go, go watch some chickens. I mean, seriously, like they're just, you want to like look at the real world and like just amazing. But, you know, I mean, I joke, but, but not, you know, like get out in nature, experience the real world and, and learn how to tune back into your intuition. I talked about that in the, in the webinar too, you know, when you want to know what, how best to help your pet, get out of your head and, and think with your heart and your gut and what you're and tune into your pet and what are they telling you to do? Cause I've talked to many pet parents that come to me with a sick pet and they say, I, just, I knew I shouldn't have done that vaccine, but that, that scared me and told me my dog was going to get sick and that, you know, they can get lepto from eating bunny poop in my backyard. And we got all these bunnies and, and it just scared me. So I felt like I had to do it. And now their pet's sick. I'm like, but I knew I shouldn't have. Well, yeah, you shouldn't have done it. So trust that, you know, intuition we've lost that. And I think it, it's been to some degree intentional, but you've got to get you've got to break away from the propaganda enough to tune into that, you know, spend time outside, get out in, in nature and um, tune back into that intuition, because I think the information coming at us is going to get more and more uh, deceitful because there's people that don't want us healthy. They don't want our pets healthy. They're just interested in making money. And, and you gotta, you gotta tune inward and decide what's right for you and your pet. Right. Just like the whole bat thing. You know, I, somebody said to me the other day that, um, who said this, that his friend, a bat peed in his mouth. And therefore, if a bat pee comes in contact with a human, it is law that you have to get the rabies shot. Now, I, I'm sure that, I don't know if my face looked weird or not, because I'm sure I was like, what, um, but yes, this is just visualize this. And, uh, yeah. How, how does a bat pee in your mouth? How, how does that happen, I, Dr. Tracy? What is the chance that a bat is going to pee in your mouth? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that, that's, I don't know. I even want to go there. <laughs> well, let me ask you. I, I mean, would, would, if, okay, let's just say that a bat did pee in your mouth. 
what's in bat pee? Yeah. I mean, his rabies even in there. I mean, I, again, I, I'm more and more in the Dr. Cowan camp that viruses don't even exist, but even assuming that it does, rabies has been known to be a neurologic virus. I doubt that it is even be shed in the pee because it lives on the nerves. And the only reason it's transmitted in the bite is because it gets, it, it comes down the, uh, the cranial nerves into the salivary glands. And that's supposedly how it's transmitted. Um, I don't think it can be transmitted in the pee. I've never heard that even on the, you know, conventional side of what you would learn. And I, Somebody That's get bizarre. somebody get some bat pee so we can do a test on it. Can you just get that bat to pee in that little cup, and then we'll get it over to Doctor Jasek and we'll do. But I'm not going to drink it. <laughs> I'll do an analysis on it. I mean, I know that probably people think that we're just careless and some of our stuff. We're not. We're like, you got to prove this stuff. Come on, right. come on. Well, it's like Doctor Cowan. You know. When he first said, you know, the thing about viruses not existing, I was like, whoa, you know, like that, like so much of veterinary medicine is based on the fact that there's viruses, the whole vaccine industry. But if you listen to his reasoning behind that, you really can't argue with it because it's never been proven. There's these little specks that they see on these pictures taken through an electron microscope that are claimed to be viruses, but it has never been proven that that thing they're seeing is what's making people sick. They're, according to him, artifacts. And when he gets into this explanation about how tissue samples are processed, how they process things, you use all these chemicals. And I know this is true. What do you do with a tissue sample to send it off to the lab, like for formaldehyde? Well, that's changing the tissues and everything. So what are you really looking at? I mean do we really know? Because you've used all these chemicals and, you know, he contends that what they're saying are viruses are just these artifacts from the cells. And then I know how tissue samples and these things are processed. Like, you know, that really makes sense. And he just, he breaks it down very, very logically. So if anybody wants to explore that, I suggest you go to his, he's got a, a bit shoot channel that's, you know, free. And he's got a lot of uh, little webinars out there and stuff and little podcasts that he does that he talks about this. And I think, you know, a, a whole industry was based on this and it's a big money-making thing and nobody wants to change that because again, it, it pulls out a lot of income, but when you just start to break it down and think about it logically, it's like, wow, we've really been bamboozled in, in medicine. I mean, a lot of what we've been taught is is most likely wrong and i i i do believe that at this point absolutely absolutely that's why when my brother had cancer i had him do a consult with you yeah <laughs> <laughs> because i was like i'm not sure that your uh traditional doctors are going to i mean they didn't even know what ozone therapy was or mistletoe or anything like what is that i mean why would they know it they're they, you know they're not taught that they're not going to be in good uh, company with their peers if they start going off script you know doesn't it seem like it's like the stepford wives or something it's like we all do the same thing and therefore we're accepted right we can't okay. go off script no we wouldn't be invited to any more barbecues and that's important right <laughs> that's important make stuff. small talk small talk with a bunch of people you don't even like you know <laughs> 
Well, I know that people like you. And so we're going to invite them to the cancer webinar coming up on Thursday, the 31st. That's going to happen again at 6 p.m. Mountain, 7 p.m. Central Time. Uh, Come over to the website, leave us your email, and we'll have that up this week going, uh, going forward so you can get in with us on that. All right. Thanks so much for joining the podcast today. Dr. Jason, we get back a lot of feedback that even though, um, you know, that we get frustrated with with some of the sick dogs that that decide they're going to stay doing the same protocol, we, we do have an effect on some people. And so we thank you so much uh, for doing this with us here, Dr. Jasek. And we thank all of you listeners for um, taking it into consideration right uh taking into consideration that maybe maybe uh we're not crazy that maybe yeah. there is some validity to what and we have for, to say and for those of you out there that lead by example because sometimes like you said you cannot bombard people with too much information but they might ask you know your dog looks really great what do you feed him and then you know that opens the oh i feed him raw and then let them inquire because they'll see the because they'll see the difference so you can also set an example. And um, sometimes that helps wake other people up. If you bombard them with too much information, they don't want to hear it, but um, you know, lead, lead by example. That's very powerful. Yeah. And you can always lead them to the raw dog food truth podcast. Cause we have a sphincter load of them. Really? <laughs> <laughs> we do. We've been doing this a long time. We've been doing it a while. We've been doing it a while and we've been feeding raw even longer. So, uh, you know, if we thought that it was, if it was bad for our dogs, we wouldn't be feeding it. I'm just saying, okay, because we love our dogs. All right, Dr. Jasek, thanks so much. You can uh, work with Dr. Jasek. All you have to do is go to ahavet.com, ahavet.com. She'll get you in the queue. She can Zoom with you anywhere you are in the world, not just in the United States, but in the world. Yeah, which is, all over. Which is quite amazing. Uh, so get over there and then get over to rawdogfoodandcompany.com. We can get you on a species appropriate diet. Go to our facts page first. The, the It's in the learning center. Go to the FAQs. It's going to answer a lot of what you're going to want to know about uh, right there. Okay. So go there first. All right, everybody. Thanks so much. Get over to rawdogfoodandcompany.com where your pet's health is our business. We're friends. Don't let friends feed kibble. I'll see you soon, Dr. Jasek. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye. Oh, snap. snap. Find out how you can start your dog on the road to health and longevity. Go to rawdogfoodandcompany.com, where friends don't let friends feed kibble and where your pet's health is our business. Just snap.